Yo, today's QOD is, if you're willing to give up your attachments, the higher part of you takes over. Here we go. The Day Show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We've got Dr. Wayne Dyer on the show today. And today, Dr. Dyer is going to tell a story about generosity, letting go of your attachments, and connecting with your higher self. You know, many times we think that I have that or I have this, therefore I am whatever you want to say you are. It's like our identity gets caught up in the things that we have. As long as we have this and as long as we don't let go of this, therefore I am this person that I've called my identity. I hope that makes sense. But here's the thing. Before you had those things that you're attached to, you already were amazing. Like you didn't really need all of that because there's a higher part of you. There's a higher self that transcends it all. So when you can say that to yourself, like, it's cool having stuff, but I don't need it to be amazing. I'm already amazing. I don't need it to be confident. I'm already confident. When you can do that, that's when you really get in touch with the highest form of yourself. Here's Dr. Dyer. About a month ago, I was getting ready to go with my family to uh, North Carolina for two weeks. And we had rented a cabin, and we were just going to go out and pretend to like the outdoors for two weeks, okay? (laughs) I still like remote controls. (laughs) And I have a beautiful home in Boca, and I also have an office down in Fort Lauderdale. And in this office is where I write, and it's really not an office. It's a penthouse on the ocean, (laughs) is what it is, that I call an office for the IRS. But it's where I do all my writing. I'm a philosopher. I get paid by the thought. I keep telling them that, but they don't understand that. (laughs) And so I have also a refrigerator there, and I have a bed there, and I stay there sometimes, and I work there. And it's really my retreat. And it's also a massive warehouse for a lot of books and tapes and things like that. So uh, three hours before we were ready to go to Asheville, I opened up the refrigerator, and it had been broken for like a day and a half. And so everything in it was fairly warm and was getting worse. I had to get this thing fixed. And my secretary was in Finland, and I had to do all of this myself. And I guess the universe forgot that I was famous for a little while there, because uh, <laughs> I uh, didn't have anybody to just call up and say, well, you get my refrigerator fixed, and I'm going to write a check and take care of it. I had to do all of that myself, and I'm not used to doing that sort of thing. So I called around, I got through the yellow pages, and I finally got this company, and I didn't know who I was calling, didn't know anything about getting my refrigerator. It was the first time in, I guess, 13 years that I'd ever broke anyway. I get on the phone, and this guy comes out, and he said to me, it'll cost you $55 just to show up because you want emergency service. That's just to arrive. And then it's $48 an hour which immediately made me think about changing my occupation, (laughs) going into the refrigerator repair business. And then any parts will be above that. 
plus, of course, the 20% markup on the parts. And it's a very pleasant experience to call one of these companies. I said, well, I still want my refrigerator fixed, so send someone out and I'll wait here. And about an hour and a half, sure enough, this little man knocks on the door. He comes in and he's sort of upset and he looks depressed. And he said, I'm here to fix your refrigerator. It was very hot, very, very hot. I said, it's in here. And I walked in there with him and I started talking to him as I always do. And I found out that he's from Lebanon. It's been reduced to a cinder block, literally. I mean, it's just a pile of ashes, practically, this beautiful jewel of Beirut, which I visited in the 1970s, torn apart by all this religious love uh, that people are expressing toward each other, you know? They're all killing each other in the name of God. So he's been very torn up about that. He's got relatives back there. And his wife had just told him recently that she wanted a divorce. He had an 11-year-old and a 6-year-old. And he almost broke into tears as he started talking about he's been going into therapy, he's been in therapy, and he's on medication for his depression. As I was talking to him, and he was down in the back of the refrigerator, back there getting himself all greasy and just running up the bill, um, <laughs> I said to him, you know, I've got a great book for you. And I got a copy of Erroneous Zones. He's back. And I said, here, I'd like you to read this. I wrote this book, you know. And uh, he said, oh, that's great. And I started talking to him a little more about who was controlling him. And he said, well, my wife is really pulling all my strings. I said, well, you know, I've got, I wrote a book that you'll really like. And <laughs> I went back and I got a copy of Pulling Your Own Strings and I signed it. And I said, here, this is another one. You know, I'd like you to read that. I think it'll be very helpful to you. I got to talking a little more, and I went back, and I got him a copy of The Sky's the Limit. I got him the children's book so that he could be a better parent. And I'm piling these books on him, and I'm handing him all these books. And I said, now, you've got to promise me that you're going to read them. I said, but what about this medication you're on? I said, I'd really like you to maybe look toward a physician who doesn't believe that the way to cure depression is through drugs. He said, you know, I don't really have much time to read because I'm in the car all day long. I said, you know, i got some tapes that I think you'd... Uh... <laughs> And I went back into my room, and I brought out a set of Choosing Your Own Greatness because he wasn't forgiving his wife, and he was through all of this anguish. And then I gave him another set of tapes, and then I gave him another set of tapes, and I gave him a calendar that I've done, and I go... And I had this box of all of this stuff. <laughs> and he's getting happier by the minute, all right? He's less depressed, and he's getting more impressed. He's never heard of me, obviously. My books don't sell real well in Beirut, all right? And, in Hezbollah, they're not doing well. So just as he was getting ready to go, he was standing there and tears were coming down his eyes and he was very, very happy. He felt like he had a chance. He had met somebody that perhaps was going to give him an opportunity, a chance to do something maybe that he had never done before, which was to take more control inside and to be a happier person. And he looked at me and he's got this great big box of, of presents and all of that. And, he asked me the most important question, the reason I tell this whole story here, something that you've got to really understand the irony of. He said, excuse me, doctor, but uh, he said, I don't want to tell you how to run your business or anything, but uh, how do you ever expect to make any money if you give away all your stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him, when the day comes that you don't have to ask that question, you'll have the answer. And he gave me my bill. The bill was for $28, and he was there two hours, and he put a whole new motor in my refrigerator. <laughs> it's like he just tried to get it down as low as he possibly could to give it back. And the truth of that is that if you're willing to give up your attachments to the illusion that they are important or significant or they're going to bring you something, if you're willing to just give them away, just give them away, and don't have that attachment, then the higher part of you takes over. And that is what controls 
virtually whether you're happy, successful, whether you're living, whether you're not, whether you're enjoying your life, or any of those things. And if you're not willing to do that, if you're going to hang on to the illusion that I've got to have these things, and if I don't have them, then I'm operating from lack, then you're back here in the dream, hanging on to stuff that doesn't even exist, and refusing to wake up. Because the minute you awaken, you realize that I'm only getting a reaction to something that doesn't come. It's not there. Where's the guy holding the knife? Where's the shovel? Where's the shirt that he was going to make me put on? And all of those kinds of things. All right, pals, that was Dr. Wayne Dyer. His website is drwaynedyer.com. Today's clip comes from an audio program by Dr. Dyer called Transformation. You can find that at audible.com. I'll see you tomorrow with a little Friday fun day with Mr. Bob Proctor. I'll see you then. Peace. Peace.